Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here, and welcome to Entrepreneurs on Fire, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network with great shows like The Hustle Daily. Today, we'll be sharing how the buyer of your business is a full-time predator in your part-time prey. Armor up. To drop these value bombs, I brought Kirk Mitchie into EO Fire Studios. Kirk is the founder of Candor Advisors. For more than 30 years, he has worked with entrepreneurs, closely held business owners, and high net worth families to achieve their strategic planning, liquidity, investment, and legacy objectives. And today, Fire Nation will talk about regret, the regret that sellers of private businesses have. We'll talk about how private sellers leave substantially more on the table than they should, the six secrets to every successful sale, and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Still think you can create an online course the same way you did five years ago? Think again. Thinkific has looked at the top 20% of course creators to see what they're doing now to be so darn successful. Find out for yourself at thinkific.com slash fire trends. Work in sales or interested in learning how to sell? Then check out the Salesman Podcast with Will Barron. You'll learn how to find buyers and win big business in effective and ethical ways with episode topics like the four-step process to influencing buying decisions. Listen to The Salesman wherever you get your podcasts. Kirk, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something that you believe about becoming successful that most people disagree with. Hey, hey, what's up, Fire Nation? I would say digging into the emotional side of why you're doing what you're doing and what you're afraid of and getting to the essence of that will leave a, a trail of breadcrumbs towards what can make you the most successful. Well, Fire Nation, I hope you were a little intrigued by our topic today about how the buyer of your business is a full-time predator in your part-time prey. So it's time to armor up. And it's hard to believe it, but most sellers of private businesses have regrets. They just think it's going to be the best day of their life and they're just left with regrets. So Kirk, share some of those regrets that these sellers have and how can we avoid them? Sellers don't often um, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about the why of selling. They, um, they sort of get to a point where they're either burn out and don't acknowledge it or are afraid of uh, economic cycles turning against them or competition getting too great, or they just feel like it's time to retire or to move on and figure, well, I guess it's time to go find a buyer. And because they haven't spent time, you know, kind of digging into their why, they don't really get to an outcome that's going to satisfy them. And so when they get a wire transfer um, or they get notification from their bank that the money's there, it's either less than they thought it was going to be, um, you know, because there's some structure to the deal that means they don't get all the cash up front, or it doesn't give them the endorphin release they were thinking they would have when they sold their business. And if you add that to the fact that um, they've now taken an unsystematic but controllable risk running a business to more of a systematic risk of you know being invested in the markets and then add to that kind of a, a um, you know a, an identity crisis um, you don't have a great recipe for you know kind of riding off into the sunset happily ever after in fire nation that's what we want for you we want you riding off into these sunsets happily ever after so Kirk a lot of sellers actually end up leaving 
substantially more money on the table when they leave and they actually end up selling. And we're talking about either, you know, the terms that they end up with or even the price um, when they end up selling that company. So can you talk about why this happens and how our listeners could avoid it if they're in a similar situation? The first thing that happens is that if you're a successful entrepreneur, chances are you have ignored over time a lot of well-meaning but um, poor advice. And in fact, you know, your impulses, which may or may not scale, have caused a lot of your success. So the natural thing to do is to either do this on your own or do it with, um, you know, more familiar resources. So a lot of sellers don't seek out good M&A counsel and they don't seek out um, transaction professionals who have a lot more reps in the M&A gym than they do. So what ends up happening is they either um, give up way too much information too soon. So they equip their buyer with a lot of data that allows the buyer to kind of take advantage structurally, or they take the buyer's word for it in terms of the valuation of the business, or they don't quite know how to structure the deal. So they don't know what to ask for or demand or which things to react to. And then afterwards, if they're sharing, whether it be at the country club or their um, YPO group or their Vistage group or somewhere else, what deal they agreed to, they find out that there were a lot of things that they could have either asked for or structured differently um, or focused on. And they think, well, I guess the next time I do this, I would do something different. But, you know, chances are they've spent, you know, 10 years or even 50 years building up that business and there won't be a next time. Fire Nation, this is a lot of food for thought because the reality is you are wanting to have this culmination of a sale of your business. That's the best day of your life. You don't want the regret of leaving money on the table, agreeing to the wrong terms. So that's what we'll be talking through here as we continue to have this conversation. Now, what I want to go into next is, the fact of the sellers, should sellers hire Wall Street investment banks to optimize their sale? Is that a route they should take? Well, maybe. And I know that's kind of an amorphous answer. So here's, here's the thing. Look, if, if, um, if the seller is, is pretty sure that they want their business to be sold in a semi-confidential auction, where the investment bank puts together a financial model and the materials and then creates a buyer universe and goes out to that buyer universe. And whether it be 20 strategic and financial buyers or 200 different kinds of buyers um, and spray that information out there and pray for a good response back and hope to create some competitive tension to drive up price terms and control of legacy, like that might be the right answer. But for a lot of businesses, um, an internal sale, like a sale to management or a sale to employees or developing a successor and taking a step back and kind of becoming a limited partner in the business and taking distributions, or a narrower process where finding just the right buyer to create just the right structure so that maybe on an after-tax basis as a seller, you get more of what you want or need. Those might be the right ways to do it, but the Wall Street investment banks don't really have the right incentive alignment to seek out those alternative structures. And so, again, it could be the right thing to do, 
but it's 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 important to look at the alignment of economics and then think about human nature in terms of who you choose as a transactional professional to get to the right outcome. So Fire Nation, I hope you're really sitting here taking notes, realizing that there's a lot of right ways to do things when it comes time to selling your business, and there's a lot of wrong ways to do it as well. And we're actually gonna be getting into the six secrets of every successful sale when we get back from thanking our sponsors. There's so much power in the technology we use today, but figuring out which software is best for your business and how it all works together can be overwhelming and time-consuming. If you're ready to streamline your workflows so things like customer support, employee onboarding, and even your marketing strategy can start working for you, then you need Zapier. Zapier makes it easy to connect all your apps, automate routine tasks, and streamline your processes. One big way Zapier has helped us is in streamlining our communication and follow-up with our online course members. And it's super easy to use you can connect over 4,000 of the most popular apps you're probably using every day already, like Google Sheets, QuickBooks, and even your task management software. No wonder over 1.8 million people and businesses use Zapier to streamline their work and find more time for what matters most. See for yourself why teams at Airtable, Dropbox, HubSpot, Zendesk, and thousands of other companies use Zapier every day to automate their businesses. Try Zapier for free today at zapier.com slash fire. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash fire. Customization and scalability might seem like things you don't need to worry about in the beginning, but I'm here to tell you that if you can integrate these things into your business software from the beginning, you'll save yourself loads of time in the long run. And with a HubSpot CRM, you get access to both from the very start. Let's take your website as an example. Customization helps you stand out from the crowd, and with HubSpot's web builder, you can create a unique website for your business in just a few easy steps. Select a theme yourself from the HubSpot Marketplace or let developers build your unique theme from scratch. With its easy-to-use editor, you'll be able to seamlessly make updates and take full ownership of your site. And scalability helps you adapt to growth and changes quickly. As an example, maybe you're experiencing a big growth spurt with your team. With HubSpot's scalable security, you can ensure your team of 200 can work just as efficiently as a team of 20. Learn how your business can grow better at HubSpot.com. As an entrepreneur just starting out or looking to scale up, it can be tricky to know which advice to follow. And if you've been thinking about making an online course part of your business, the Thinkific Trends Report is one of the most important things you'll read this year. The team at Thinkific analyzed the top 20% of creators to discover what they're doing differently to make them so darn successful. In this report, you'll uncover why top creators are two times more likely to use communities, three times more likely to sell courses and bundles, plus learn why it's time to say goodbye to the hard sell. I can say after reading it that this report is chock full of insights you can immediately put into action today because if you're still creating courses the same way you were five years ago, you might be missing out on some big opportunities. Discover which trends are powering the most successful creators in 2022, what their secrets are to growing their business, how they focus their time, and much more. Visit thinkific.com slash fire trends. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com slash fire trends. Kirk, we're back and I kind of teased to Fire Nation the fact we're going to be going over the six secrets to every successful sale. So can you take a step back, go through one by one, and then maybe give an example on every one of these steps as well for the secrets to successful sales? Yeah, absolutely. So these are, um, while not exhaustive, um, they're the six points that I've seen every successful transaction. We've been involved in... um, 
almost five dozen deals uh, been been at a due diligence level involved in two to three hundred more and then have screened probably two or three thousand deals. And the ones that work out best for seller and buyer, but especially for seller, have some commonalities. The first one is the sellers are clear on why they want to sell. Now, this may seem kind of crunchy and amorphous, but here's where kind of the rubber hits the road. Like if the seller wants to have an all cash closing and kind of ride off into the sunset, well, then a, a financial buyer, like a private equity firm, that's chances are they're going to give you know 60 to 80% of the money up front and expect the seller to roll over some equity and play for a second bite of the apple, a second sale three to five years down the road. That's bad alignment. That doesn't meet the seller's why. So we need to find the right buyer to get to an all cash closing. So that's the first one. The second one is the seller's got to nail their financials. Look, every business sells at a multiple of its historical financial results, whether that be what's called the adjusted EBITDA, sort of a buildup from net income, or a multiple of revenue. And then it gets adjusted up or down based upon the persistency and growth in those numbers or the lumpiness in those numbers. So if if the seller isn't clear on how the money flows through the business and can't represent that in their financials, it's not going to lead to a great outcome. Minimally, it's going to lead to a lot of confusion, a lot of back and forth. Then the third thing is that because the buyers are savvier than the sellers about M&A, they will typically try and start due diligence or asking a lot of information that may not be in the seller's interest to provide to them. They'll start asking for it too soon. And the seller, if he's not well advised, may give up too much too soon and be at a disadvantage, disadvantage when it comes to the terms of the deal, which then kind of leads into the fourth secret, which is, look, as a seller, um, you've got to find the right advisors, whether that be savvy M&A attorneys, whether that be an investment banker or a transactional professional. Um, one way or the other, find someone who's been through this a lot of times, who knows how to structure the deal the right way so that you don't get taken advantage of, so that you don't um, leave money on the table, so that you don't have to go back to work after you've sold your company so that 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 really does meet all of your objectives. And then the last two are kind of connected. And that is, you know, make sure that the, the, the buyer meets your why, right? So I talked a little bit about this on the clarity on the why, but make sure at the process of starting to talk to the buyers that you're talking to the right buyers and chase away the bad buyers quickly. Bringing in a transactional professional will not chase away the right buyer, but it will chase away somebody who's trying to like steal your company out from under you, which then comes to kind of the sixth thing, which is self-management. And this, again, sounds a little crunchy, but I would tell you that between reasonable people, uh, price and terms can usually get uh, worked out. But sellers oftentimes are their own worst enemies. They react to things that they shouldn't react to that are just common you know, deal terms or questions to be asked. And they don't focus on the things that are going to drive the highest price or terms or legacy for the business. And so um, they either need to you know, really kind of armor up on what I would call kind of the four agreements of due diligence, 
or seek the right outside advisors to make sure that that they don't become their own worst enemy because they have a sounding board on their deal. So Fire Nation, the six secrets behind every sale. And I think, Kirk, the most natural progression of this conversation is going to have to go to the why, because there has to be a why behind the founder's desire to sell. Can you talk through what the why is for most founders' desire to sell that you found through the years? The most common why that the sellers that are referred to us or that seek us out through our website um, at least start with is the desire to sell the business and retire. Um, but we, we tend to not take that at face value because it's more complex than that. A lot of times what the sellers really want is to be able to um, either do something else be that, you know, retirement or invest in another business or to come to the office less often or not have the responsibility of managing people anymore or to not have to deal with the ebbs and flows of whether it be regulatory environments or economic cycles. Um, so sometimes the why is as simple as, um, you know, the person's tired of going to the office every day or they're tired of dealing with HR issues or they're burnt out on their business. It provides great uh, financial return and a great lifestyle, but they just don't want to do it anymore. Um, and then there's also the, you know, in the last couple of years, it's been opportunistic. A lot of people that weren't necessarily at retirement age or hadn't planned to sell in the next couple of years have seen the buyout boom kind of rage away and lots and lots of money chase lots and lots of deals. And they're, um, to some extent, you know, in kind of what I would call FOMO mode. They're, they're afraid of missing out on uh, big dollars chasing deals. And so they go to market thinking, well, okay, I might as well sell now. And so, you know, being really, really clear about what it is you're trying to accomplish, not just what the headline number for the sale price might be, but how the right buyer or right new financial partner or right new structure might meet up with what you're actually trying to solve for as as a founder um, because in many cases selling to an external buyer and taking as much as possible off the table is not the right solution for a lot of people that are thinking about this decision so fire nation i hope you're thinking about your why when it comes to your decision to sell your business and sometimes it's a little deeper than you might initially think now kirk take the stage for a second here You've shared a lot today. You talked about the regrets, about how a lot of sellers leave more on the table. You talked about dealing with Wall Street investment banks, six secrets of every sale, the why. What do you want to make sure Fire Nation gets from our conversation today? What is the big takeaway that you really want our listeners to walk away with? Every successful business and every successful founder, um, has figured out, whether it be through their own impulses, through some version of scaling, maybe a combination of, you know, kind of um, scar tissue and or coursework and whatever else, how to make their business more successful. But just because your business is successful doesn't mean it's valuable. You might have a really incredible lifestyle business that provides you and your family with a lot of financial return and lots of you know, economic prosperity, but maybe um, 80% of your revenue comes from one customer. And if that's true, 
then very few buyers are going to be interested in your business. So it's successful, but it's not valuable. Your business might, um, you know, feed a hundred employees and keep lots and lots of people working, um, you know, really productively. And it might provide a lot of jobs and, you know, kind of concentric circles out in prosperity, but maybe it's got really, really low margins. And maybe you've got so much market share already that the next buyer, um, you know, can't really double, triple, quadruple, quintuple it. And so it's not that attractive. For somebody to come along and buy it. So maybe it's more of a lifestyle business and maybe you can't drive a sale. And it's really, really important to think about, you know, as much as three to five years ahead of a potential sale, okay, I've got a successful business. How do I now make it a valuable business? And where Candor Advisors really thrives is in that what I would call kind of the fat middle part of our consulting process, where we help people figure out what their businesses are worth and what they could be worth with a little bit more financial control, a little bit better margin, a little bit less customer concentration, maybe some additional or adjacent product or service areas. Um, because the difference between a really, really successful business and a really, really valuable business has to do with just a few strategic tweaks and a little bit different focus. And they're not at all um, opposed to one another. It's just, it's just that, you know, if, you, if it takes you 20 years to build a really successful business, it's worth taking another 18 months to make sure that it's a truly valuable business. So Kirk, give Fire Nation a place where they can go to learn more about you, connect with you and your business, any call to action you might have, and then we'll say goodbye. Excellent. Navigate over to candor-advisors.com. Or give me a buzz directly, 424-365-2525. We built a business so that I'm still very much available. We've got uh, a great team here to work on things for uh, for anyone. And, and, and for many of those first phone calls, um, we can help quite a bit in a quick phone call and they never even have to retain us. Um, so one way or the other, please reach out. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with KM and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com and type Kirk, K-I-R-K in the search bar. The show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about here today. And Kirk, I just want to say thank you for sharing your truth, your knowledge, your value with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you. And Kirk, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, man. Hey, Fire Nation. Today's value bomb content was brought to you by Kirk. And Fire Nation, what can 3,000 of the world's most successful entrepreneurs teach you? How about how to achieve financial freedom and fulfillment? My first traditionally published book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success, is a revolutionary 17-step roadmap that will lead you to the lifestyle that you've been dreaming about. This book took me 10 years of accumulating the genius of the world's top entrepreneurs, and you can get it all in one place when you visit UncommonSuccessBook.com. And I'll catch you there or on the flip side. Still think you can create an online course the same way you did five years ago? Think again. Thinkific has looked at the top 20% of course creators to see what they're doing now to be so darn successful. Find out for yourself at thinkific.com slash fire trends. 
work in sales, or interested in learning how to sell? Then check out the Salesman Podcast with Will Barron. You'll learn how to find buyers and win big business in effective and ethical ways with episode topics like the four-step process to influencing buying decisions. Listen to The Salesman wherever you get your podcasts.